word. I'm gonna say the word. In the beginning was the word. What? Word. 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 Was the word. From the studios of KJZZ in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to Word, a podcast about literature. Here's your host, Tom Maxidon. Coming up on this episode of Word, young adult literature featuring a story set in Arizona. I think part of that journey of coming out of young adulthood into older adulthood is maybe considering other people, too. Plus, YA fantasy romance rooted in black magic. There's this sort of fierce person inside of you. Teens in particular are at the point where they're trying to figure that out, and there is a power in recognizing and loving and accepting that person. But first... Poet and homeless advocate Austin Davis is the founder of AZ Hugs. It's an organization based in Tempe which offers assistance to those living on the streets of the valley. He's a returning guest to Word and is spearheading an upcoming free outdoor variety show in October called Tempe's Got Talent. It'll feature poets and storytellers as well as other entertainers. When I sat down with him recently, I wanted to get an update on his homeless outreach efforts. We still do our weekly Sunday family picnic every Sunday. It's a three to five course meal and resource fair and just community safe space. So throughout the day, we serve various rounds of food and people from all over the valley actually come and and share a meal with us and get some resources. And I found that by providing a safe place where people feel comfortable and they can be themselves, people are more likely to talk about their underlying issues of homelessness and it is more effective that we can properly work together and help people get to detox and rehab and shelter right? Um, just by having that safe space. Like sometimes we play basketball. We walk over to the to Papago from uh, the park that we do the, the picnic. We shoot some hoops, throw around a football, and it's just everyone needs a place where they, they feel they can be themselves. You gave some indicators of why people become homeless. Do you engage much with people and ask them? And if so, what's the top reason you would say, I got to believe price of rent is one of the major reasons, but what do they tell you? Yeah. Oh, eviction is huge everywhere. Homelessness, for the most part, is caused by unforeseen circumstances. Huge medical bill, family member dies, you lose your job, uh, eviction, rising cost of of housing. And then once one bad thing happens, it's like quicksand. And it's really hard to keep yourself afloat, especially if you're a family and you're taking care of kids, too. That's exponentially harder. And then once you're on the streets, it's easier to get high than it is to get food. We have a huge fentanyl crisis here in the state, and it's cheaper to get a pill than it is to get a meal. And loneliness really is the silent killer out on the streets. Um, And I think that there's just a lot stacked against people once you're out there. There's all the stigmas. People are mean to the homeless. People are just downright mean. And it's it, it hurts, you know, like these people are my family and I love them and we really take care of each other. And it just, it hurts to see people be so mean just because they don't understand homelessness. Well, thank you for giving us an update on that, Austin. And I want to switch gears to talk about Tempe's Got Talent, yeah. which is a talent show that's going to be happening pretty soon here in the Valley on October 8th in downtown Tempe. Where is it being held and what time and is there a cost? It's pre-admission, family-friendly, dog-friendly. And it's going to be on Mill Avenue in Tempe between 3rd Street and University from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And this year's October's theme is Tempe's Got Talent. So, you know, there's going to be musicians, poets, various other 
talented people, jugglers, hula hoopers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, Second Sundays is an outdoor artisans, crafters, and makers market. And it's in downtown Tempe. And we're hosting a open mic and poetry showcase. So we'll have some featured poets starting off each block. There's going to be three different stages throughout the day. And then at each stage, after the featured performer does a little bit of a longer set, maybe like 10 to 15 minutes, we're going to have an open mic and five to 10 minutes per person, poetry, spoken word, comedians, always welcome to join as well. And just anyone who has a story to tell. And I'm just super excited. I know for me as a kid, like one of the most important things that I think kept me into poetry and, and kept me interested and just like alive with with the spirit of the art is having spaces that were exciting to me. Sure. And just like new things that I could experience and try and push my comfort zone with performing. And I feel like hopefully this could be that for some kids, some young people, for anyone. Talent shows have been around forever and a day, so to speak, but most don't feature spoken word yeah. or poetry, frankly. Why did you choose those categories, for instance? I got to believe part of it's because you're a creative writer and a poet yeah. yourself, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know how much I love poetry, and I, I truly believe in the power of poetry to bring our communities together and to help each other heal and, and move forward in a positive way. And I also have seen over the years how many people like poetry and can write poetry and just don't always feel comfortable calling it poetry. Uh, but that's fine. That's cool. You can call it whatever you want. Come up here and, and talk to me about how you feel. <laughs> and give us a verse or two. Right, exactly. Like for the last year, for example, I've been teaching uh, a class every month at the Tempe Public Library. And each month is a different theme. Like the first one we did was last October. And it was a Halloween-themed one. And then we've done one on grief and healing and loss and just different themes every month. But it's been cool because I've, I've seen the amount of people coming to the classes and stuff, people who are really interested in just pushing the boundaries of what they've been creating and just wanting to experiment and try new things. And like, that excites me. That gets me really just inspired and just jazzed up to do the same with my own art. I think the same is with performing. And I wanted to kind of do whatever I can to work with the people in the city that I love and hopefully create something that creates a space for people to express that. Could you take us out, Austin, with a short poem of your own? Yeah. Okay, 100%. great. This is a poem called Healing is Lonely. Healing is lonely, and there's no other way to say it. Tonight, you cook rice and chicken by the bed in your socks in an apartment that's just a single room. Water bubbles over the pot. Cars honk, and someone yells from beyond the open window. Healing is lonely, and there's no other way to say it. It feels like something's wrong. Like the past has found its own past to obsess over, and you can finally let it go. Off into the water, to bob up and down and worry itself all the way to oblivion. You remember oblivion. The motel a few miles outside the city, full of powders and pills, missed birthdays and anniversaries, broken promises, and all those months you can't remember. Everyone has rented a room in oblivion in a past life, but this is the next life. And in this life, healing is lonely and beautiful and forever. And it's okay if the fresh skin over old wounds still feels like it's not there every now and again. 
Austin Davis, thank you so much for coming to Word. We appreciate everything you do. Thanks for having me, Tom. Much love. You can find out a bit more about Austin Davis, AZ Hugs, and Tempe's Got Talent on our website, word.kjzz.org. Coming up, a YA romance and travelogue based in Arizona. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word, a KJZZ podcast about literature. Football season is here, and that means tailgating time. If your tailgate doesn't function like it used to, consider donating that SUV or pickup to the KJZZ Vehicle Donation Program and support the programs you love. Find out more at cars.kjzz.org. Have you heard about Classical Next? KBOX Classical Next is highlighting the most talented young musicians in our community. Does your student sing, play piano, or perform in an ensemble? Are they between the ages of 7 and 13? Nominate them now for Classical Next at kbach.org. You learn a lot from KJZZ. Now show off how smart you are with KJZZ Swag. The online store has t-shirts, hats, backpacks, and more. Take a look at shop.kjzz.org. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. Orange County, California-based writer Mary Vensel White has a new YA romance and travelogue novel titled Things to See in Arizona. The book centers on a young, university-bound female teen and her love interest. They journey through the state in hopes of finding her father, who's recently gone missing. Tuesday Mays is 18 years old. She's just graduated from high school. And her main focus is going to college. She'd love to go up to NAU. She grew up in Scottsdale. She doesn't care for the desert. She wants to move somewhere green where there are trees and snow. And her father is sort of on board with her going up there, but her mom is hesitant because Tuesday's had a recent health diagnosis. So when her dad goes suddenly sort of missing, he leaves a note saying something vague about working some things out for himself or whatever. And she's panicking because she needs to get her dad back to get him on her side because the NAU deadline is approaching, etc. So she takes off with her best friend's brother, Christian Robles, on whom she's always had a crush. And Christian is very adventurous. And he has to go up that way for another reason. And he says, well, I'll go with you as long as we stop at some of these sites that are in my weird Arizona guidebook which as you probably know, is actually a thing. So they take (laughs) off on a trip across Arizona, stop at several sites. And uh, of course, a little young adult romance blooms. And along the way, Tuesday finds out a lot of things about herself and her family and kind of begins to imagine her path forward. On the one hand, she's a regular teen, angsty, fun-loving though, uh, a little self-centered, but loyal mm-hmm. on a couple of atypical qualities as well. One of those, and I actually had a friend who did this. She doesn't refer to her parents as mom and dad, but by their names, Janice and Devin. Why does she do that? You know, it's funny when I wrote it that way, I didn't even think about it very much. It just was what it was. And then I have people ask, and I, I guess it, you know, I think most kids go through a phase where they do it sort of to be funny, right? And usually they're a little younger and parents say, ha ha, you know, stop doing that. And I think maybe it started out that way with Tuesday, but it certainly wasn't a negative or positive thing. I think in her case, it sort of shows this character's autonomy and independence 
and the way she sort of sees herself up as an equal with them in a way, um, yeah, wanting right. to make her own decisions and and whatever. The irony of, of course, is that throughout the story, it, it comes to light that she hasn't really actually been seeing her parents as people, as, as most young adults don't, right? It takes you get a little older and you start realizing things about your parents. So part of the journey of the book is her sort of starting to discover and, and have a little insights into her parents and as real people and what kind of struggles and things they're going through as well. And yes, like most young adults, she, she's pretty focused on herself. And this is how you're supposed to be at that age, right? Uh, involved in your own life and your own whatever you have going on. But of course, I think part of that journey of coming out of young adulthood into older adulthood is maybe considering other people too. You mentioned struggles. Tuesday has a genetic disease, if I'm pronouncing this right, retinitis pigmentosa. Is that right? Yes. And it makes cells in the retina break down slowly over time, causing vision loss. How does she deal with this adversity? I mean, it's an interesting tension because she's covering the pastoral landscape of Arizona. And what might you think this condition does to speak to the struggles that other teens might face? Because after all, the target audience of the book, right? Right. Well, it is a unique and quite challenging thing that she's facing. And I think the first kind of answer is that you say, how is she dealing with it? And that's kind of one of the cruxes of the book is that she's not dealing with it. She doesn't want to deal with it. That was one of my first inspirations thinking about kids. I, I had young adults in my house at the time. I was surrounded with their their voices and attitudes. And <laughs> I thought about, you know, how would an 18-year-old handle this diagnosis? And I think maybe one way to handle would be to say, you know what, I don't care. And that's sort of how Tuesday is. She acknowledges it, but she really doesn't think at the end of the day, it maybe won't even affect her very much. And she doesn't want to think about it. And she doesn't want to deal with it. She doesn't want help. She doesn't want to talk about it all the time. And she wants to go off to college like everybody else gets to and sort of not think about it. I think that the way other teens can relate to this is that they all feel, especially when you're starting out in life and you see all the possibilities, but you also perhaps see some obstacles in your way. Uh, and I think we all feel like that at certain points that we have weaknesses or obstacles or even people in our way standing there, you know, not letting us get what we want. So how is Tuesday going to navigate that? How is she going to push through? That's sort of one of the main themes of the book. And I've actually had a reader or two reach out to me already and say, you know, I have a medical issue and I sort of related to this because I have some of these same doubts about, do I have wide possibilities with this medical condition or am I limited in some way? So I think it's somewhat of a universal thing to think about for sure. And one of the other, I think, strains of the book too is, and my connection, how I got connected to it, you know, as a not young adult, how I connected to the character was thinking about vulnerability. And one of Tuesday's things she needs to kind of come to the conclusion that, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable and you can still be independent, even as we all sometimes need to ask for help from people around us. At its heart, it's a coming-of-age story, but also a travel log, and there's a double entendre there because she's navigating these difficulties while navigating the real landscape of Arizona. But, you know, as a travel log, I like to think of travel as super important to folks. I mean, it's so important, I think, to individuals' growth in numerous ways. Was mm -hmm. that also part of the inspiration for this story, what travel can do for people 
Sure. I mean, journeys are such a big part of lots and lots of stories that we have, right? Travel quite literally and also figuratively widens your horizons, shows you things that you haven't seen before, maybe maybe get you to look at something in a new way. And for Tuesday, that is the land around her. It's her home state. Uh, and I think we all have a certain childhood vision of our home state. Like Tuesday, I grew up in the desert and like Tuesday, I also hated it. But now, <laughs> you know, when I go back as an adult, of course, I have a different perspective. And I think, you know, another thing that kind of goes along with this idea of widening horizons for Tuesday is college. I mean, there's a lot of debate about college and whether kids should go, whether they should get in debt. And those are certainly considerations. But I've always thought that one of the things college does for you is that like travel, it does widen your horizons, right? So these are both hopefully roads that Tuesday is going to go down in her life so that she can have a broader perspective on not only her home state, but the people in her life and herself. And it's just all part of her growing process. Mary Vincent White is author of Things to See in Arizona, a young adult novel. It's out now. Mary, thanks so much for coming to Word and talking to us. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. You can find out a bit more about Mary Vincent White on our website, word.kjzz.org. Coming up, we've got another take on YA romance, this one rooted in fantasy and dark magic. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word, a KJZZ podcast about literature. Whether your business is new or deeply rooted, large or small, you can share what's great about it while supporting a vital community service, KJZZ. It's a fact that listeners trust and support companies that sponsor KJZZ. And by becoming a sponsor, you build a stronger connection to everyone in your community. Get connected today at SponsorKJZZ.org. Hey, it's Tiara. On All Things Considered, from KJZZ News and NPR, we hit pause on the news cycle for you, so you can get a handle on what you need to know and why it matters. Listen every afternoon from 3 until 6, on air, online, and on your phone. Rio Salado College is proud to offer affordable online bachelor's degrees in high-demand fields such as teaching and public safety administration. Invest in your education and career without financial burden. More information at riosalado.edu. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. Our final guest is a mom, former journalist, and full-time writer based in Houston, Texas. J.L. has a new YA novel out that combines romance and dark magic. It's titled House of Marion and is the first in what will be a trilogy. When we talked recently, we started out by talking about how she developed a love for writing in general. My love of writing really started with my love of reading. I didn't really think of myself as a writer from the very beginning. I started to daydream about stories, if you will. And as I fell in love with stories, I realized that I had one to tell. And so I decided to try. It was really on a whim. I didn't expect anything to come of it. And next thing you know, a month later, I had written a manuscript for a novel that ended up being my debut novel. And had you always written long form or short stories, poetry as well? I guess if I thought back to my college days, I did a lot of blogging when that was sort of up and coming. There's a bit more of a nonfiction lens to that because I was sharing sort of, you know, just my my take on sort of everyday non-fictional things. But when I switched to fiction, it was always long form. I did enjoy writing poetry as a kid. And that's something that I used to do without really thinking that, oh, this could mean I'm a writer. It was just a form of emotional expression. <laughs> and um, 
it, it's only until later in life as I as I think back on the role storytelling has played in my life in various times that I think I've always been a storyteller. It just took me a few decades to realize. Your new book, House of Marion, is the first in a series, as I understand, and it's a YA fantasy and romance. Why did you want to write in that genre? You know, that's interesting because fantasy, first of all, is my first love. And there's just something incredibly, I think, intoxicating about imagining the unimaginable, you know, and and steeping yourself in a story that is just filled with impossibility so much so that it, that it feels realistic. And so I've always been drawn to fantasy as a reader. And so when I started writing that first story, I was just writing a story about a girl. And then all of a sudden <laughs> she started using magic and I realized, oh, I guess this is a fantasy novel. I just can't not put fantasy in a story. The romance <laughs> part, that's newer to me. And I would say, you know, after like 2020, 2021, when my first few books came out, I just was very interested in reading for escape and reading for fun. And all of the things that I loved were romance and rom-coms and like fuzzy, happy stuff. And so I decided to take my love of that genre and try to seep it in with my original love, fantasy. Now, House of Marion is not super bubbly. It is a is it it is a dark way fantasy yeah, for sure. Right. It has some, <laughs> some teeth to it, but it is undergirded with, you know, the essence of romance, which I, I love. I love the idea that reading is your form of escapism. I mean, people have numerous activities that they engage in to escape. The main character, she's a teen and has lived her entire life on the run. Tell us a bit more about her. When you meet Cal on the page, she's 17. Her mother and her left their home when she was five years old because of a forbidden magic that she has that is punishable by death. So when her mother realized that her daughter had this forbidden magic, she didn't tell her own mother, which is who they lived with at the time, Kel's grandmother. She just took her in the middle of the night and they left and they've lived their life on the run. She trained Kel, her mother trained Kel how to be a shadow, how to be not noticeable, how to stay sort of off the grid, if you will. She did have to go to school because, you know, hello, truancy. But uh, even at school, they used a fake alias. And if teachers began to ask too many questions, they would uproot. She went to 11 different schools in multiple cities uh, across her entire life. She's never had a friend. She's never done an extracurricular activity. She's just sort of lived her life without living her life. And when you meet her on the page, that is sort of where she is. You meet her and she is picking up her paycheck from a side job that her mother let her get finally. She was she was 17. She's like, I need to, I need to get a job. Please, can I do that? I'll use a fake name. And her mother agreed reluctantly. And so she's picking up her paycheck for that week from this work location and things go a bit sideways. One of the things that we like to talk about is just the general writing process. There's lots of burgeoning writers, avid readers, professional writers like yourself as well that listen. How did this character, Kel, develop? She developed over time. I understood what she represented in the story before I fully knew who she was. And one of the things that I love to tell writers is that it's very important to give yourself space to not know what you're doing. Mm, I cannot point. stress that enough. It, I can't stress it enough. Like you have to allow the process to evolve and unfold and really trust your creative brain, your creative subconscious to to deliver on the page what you're trying to do. It's going to be messy at first. Kel in earlier iterations was a very anxious girl. 
And it took a while for me to get her to this sort of nuanced juxtaposition of both strength and timidness because she is nervous going into this big new world that she's never seen, but she also is confident. She's She knows how to be a shadow. She's gotten away with flying under the radar and keeping her forbidden magic a secret for so many years. So that comes with a bit of confidence. And to really pin down her character and all its nuance, it took many, many iterations and subtle changes, you know, types of dialogue, different mannerisms, just little things you don't notice when you when you sort of vomit out the first draft or the second draft or the third <laughs> right. draft. It takes that closer eye. And so with Kel and, and really with the love interest as well, Jordan, who is a major character, obviously, because it's a fantasy romance, but with both of them, it just took lots of refining here and there, tiny little things. Well, I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people who are first developing an idea that they might want to write for a living get frustrated by the process. And it is a process, and that process involves often multiple revisions. Let's get back to the narrative. You mentioned that she's been on the run her entire life, and it has to do with this innate ability to do magic, right? Explain that a little yes. bit more. So she has a dark forbidden magic that's in her veins. It She doesn't understand it because, of course, she didn't grow up in this magical world. She just knows if somebody discovers this dark magic that I have, I would be killed. And so because of that, she's on the run. What she ends up doing is, I don't want to spoil the opening chapter, but it is quite action-packed. <laughs> she is being hunted by an assassin who's discovered where she is. And when she narrowly escapes him, she gets separated from her mother and she decides to run to one of the training schools for proper magic. And the reason she does that is because it is the only place that she believes she could sleep for the night and be okay because she remembers her grandmother was there. Now, she has so many questions about why they ran from there in the first place and what did her grandmother know about her and all of these things. But she goes there just to spend the night when she arrives at the building, she sees her last name on the front of it, which oh, wow. when you've never even been allowed to say your name, you know, seeing it etched in the pediment, it takes your breath away a bit. So she steps into this world, which is incredibly glamorous and beautiful and extraordinary. And her grandmother is very eager to meet her. And so what begins is sort of this push and pull between a world she would like to believe she can fit in. And the sage warning, you know, of her mother's actions and, and and them running from that world for so long. Her plan while there is to keep her forbidden magic a secret and master proper magic. And if she can master proper magic, she will bury her dark magic forever. And then she believes she'll finally be able to be free to have a real life. So that's her plan. And listening to you, I'm getting the sense of this constant battle between lightness and darkness that a lot of us go through. Was that integral to the plot? It is. I do think I turn it on its head in multiple ways. I think the book is is very twisty in the entire series because this is book one in a in a trilogy. So I do think I twist that sort of trope that we've seen before. I mean, m my favorite is Star Wars, right? Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there is an undercurrent of that. I do try to freshen it up quite a bit, though. And there's quite a bit of shockers and surprises along the way. What do you hope? teens who might read this book, not that it's confined to teens. I mean, I find a lot of adults like young adult novels. Maybe they're reading to see, is this something I might recommend to my own child? But what do you think specifically teens might come away with? And, and what do you hope for them to come away with by reading this? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, when I think about it, I think what a person takes away from a story is such a unique and personal thing. So I never want to infringe upon that because the book is going to mean different things to different people and people are going to resonate and take different parts of it. And that's very personal. But I would say one of the things that sort of was on my heart as I wrote it is just there's this sort of fierce person inside of you. There's this sort of certainty of who you are. And I think teens in particular are at the point where they're trying to figure that out and trying to decide who that person is going to be, how that person fits in the world, who they're allowed to be even, depending on the team. Like maybe there are barriers there where they're having trouble um, reconciling who they want to be and who the world allows them to be. And so what I hope the story shows or inspires or instills or plants the seeds of is that who they are is uniquely special. And there is a power in recognizing and loving and accepting that person, a power and a freedom. JL is author of House of Marion. It's the first and what is going to be a series. Jay, I want to thank you so much for coming to Word. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You can find out a bit more about JL on our website, word.kjzz.org. As we continue Season 10, we're back with another episode, October 17th. You can follow Word on KJZZ's social media, and make sure you keep your eyes peeled for an announcement soon about our costume contest. The basic gist? We want you to take a snap of you dressed up like your favorite author or favorite character from a book, play, maybe even graphic novel. I'm Tom Maxinon, and thanks so much for listening to Word. Word. Word? Word. What's the word? Thanks for listening to Word, a KJZZ podcast about literature. You can find all episodes online at word.kjzz.org or wherever you get your podcasts.